Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, Luke San. Today is Monday, March 13th, 2017. We're here with our first episode of the week, but we are here every Monday through Friday, so you can find us tomorrow and each day after that and next week. Um, depending on where you're listening to the show, you could be listening on Audio Boom, you might be listening on Clips Nation, you might be listening on iTunes, but you can find us on all those places um, if, if you're looking to get back to it. Um, I know I got um, some Twitter questions just basically asking, like, when's the next show? Where do we find it? How do we... So, um, you know, I don't post the shows on Clips Nation every day. Sometimes the day gets away from me, and then I realize, like, at 8 o'clock in the evening, you know, there's not really a whole ton of merit to pointing that to posting that morning's episode. But um, you can always find it on iTunes in the podcast. I don't Actually, I guess it's not on iTunes. It's just in the podcast section of the iPhone. So, like... Um, on my phone, I have a podcasts app that came on the phone. You click on that, you search Locked On Clippers, come up really easy. You can subscribe. You can even, I think, set it up so like it sends you a notification every day when there's a new episode, automatically downloads it for you, all the good stuff. Um, if not, you can find it on audioboom.com um, by searching Locked On Clippers there, which is our hosting site. And on some days, you can find it on Clips Nation, um, and I'll, in on those days when I post an article on ClipStation, tweet out the link so you can get it there. But, so, today as we kind of get started on this week, um, I wanted to start today's episode by zooming out a little bit and looking at our season's expectations and kind of the narratives that we've had around this Clippers team this year. Um, and maybe a way that I think the way that the kind of groupthink in the fan base ha- has gone wrong um, and kind of talk about what what happens going forward, because there's a chance that as the Clippers roll into Tuesday, depending on how tomorrow night or how depending on how tonight goes, with the Spurs hosting the Atlanta Hawks and the Clippers visiting the Utah Jazz, if the Spurs win and the Clippers win, the Spurs will move to first place in the Western Conference. The Clippers will move to fourth place in the Western Conference. That means the Clippers are going to have, if the season, if those two games, the Spurs won and the Clippers won tonight, and the season ended right after that, the Clippers would host the Jazz in the first round and then visit the Spurs in the second round, which I think is probably a pretty great scenario for the Clippers. Um, of all the teams in the Western Conference playoff picture, Aside from whatever team sneaks into the eight seed, the Jazz are probably a team the Clippers would most like to play because they've dominated that matchup recently. Um, and then of the teams that you kind of think you might get in the second round, the Clippers, I, I mean, you might rather face the Spurs than face Golden State or Houston. So um, the Clippers, could, if they could get away with that, that would be great. But um, it's kind of interesting. When this season started, a lot of people thought this would be the year that the Clippers would really be like a top tier team in the West because they've always fluctuated around like three, four, five in, in the Chris Paul era. And with OKC dropping down, and of course, every year we always think that the Spurs are going to take a step back, right? And I, you know, at a certain point, you just give up. <laughs> the Spurs are just, the Spurs are going to spur. But we thought this was the year the Clippers would really fight with the Spurs for second. And we thought there would be a clear divide between. Clippers, Spurs, Warriors, and the rest of the teams, um, notably Utah, Memphis, OKC, Houston, 
all the other good teams in the, in the West. But I don't think anyone expected Houston to be as good as they are, or at least the general consensus wasn't that the Houston Rockets were going to be the head and shoulders three seed. Um, and, you know, the Clippers, their season has been a little disappointing. Um, they've definitely struggled with injuries, which gives them a little bit of a pass, and they've definitely struggled playing basketball at times, although at times they've looked great. So it's really the type of situation where, um, you know, we had that, we saw that season a few years ago where the Clippers had like the perfect December and they were like the best team in the league in the first 30 games. Um, they peaked early. They did. They peaked early that year. So maybe this year the Clippers just aren't peaking early. Maybe they really are being patient and biding their time. Um, and that brings me to another point, which is that we talked a lot um, about, or I've seen a lot of talk, really, about how the Clippers need to avoid Golden State for as long as possible, because the later you play Golden State, the greater chance there is for randomness, meaning someone gets hurt, essentially. When people say randomness, it means they don't want to say man, we have no chance unless someone gets hurt, but that's what they mean. Um, you know, I guess it doesn't have to be hurt, but like tired or suspended or the Clippers get really hot or the Warriors' locker room implodes, whatever. But, you know, basically the longer you wait, the greater chance there is that something happens because it doesn't look too great right now. Here's the thing about randomness, um, and I may have said this on a pod a couple weeks ago. Last year, the Clippers were set to face the Warriors in the second round. If the Clippers hadn't lost Chris Paul and Blake Griffin to injury in Game 4 against the Portland Trailblazers, they probably would have eliminated the Blazers in five games, moved on to the second round against the Warriors, and played three or four games of that series with Steph Curry sidelined with that hyperextended knee. If the Clippers had been on the other side of the bracket and stayed healthy, they wouldn't have played Golden State Warriors and the Golden State Warriors until the Western Conference Finals, at which point Steph Curry was back, and the Warriors were able to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder to advance to the NBA Finals. So if you were looking for your best shot, if you look back in retrospect last year and you go, I'm a team that wants to eliminate Golden State. What was the best round? Where did I have my best chance? It would have been in the second round because Steph Curry missed those games. The third round, they were better than in the second round. Um, and I had this discussion with, with my brother because my brother um, studied philosophy and so he, you know, he liked logic and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I said, like, you know, we, we kind of agreed. That's the thing about randomness. It's random. So you look at now, um, a lot of people were, you know, kind of maligning the fact that the Clippers weren't going to get the three seed. I really wanted them to push for the three seed um, just because I thought it would give them more advantageous matchups. Um, and because I thought pushing Houston to four and forcing the Houston Rockets to play the Golden State Warriors gives you the best chance of the Rockets, the Rockets, I think, have the best chance of actually upsetting the Warriors. So you want to force the Rockets to play the Warriors before you have to, because they have a chance of beating them. Um, but randomness happened, and it didn't happen in the second round, you know, giving the Clippers a better chance to beat the Warriors in the third round. It happened a couple weeks ago when Kevin Durant got hurt. And now the Spurs are looking like possibly even the favorite to finish in first place in the Western Conference. As of now, they control their own destiny because they're tied with Golden State in the loss column, and they have another game left against the Warriors, and they have the tiebreaker. So 
the Warriors are, are on the ropes a little bit as far as the one seed is concerned, and the Clippers are out of it as far as the three seed is concerned. So you're looking at a situation where what you really wanted was to make this crazy push and take the three seed so that, yeah, you wouldn't get to play Utah in the first round, but at least you get San Antonio in the second round, and Houston would have to play Golden State, and then you'd play the winner of that series in the conference finals. Now, the Clippers are going to get that, except they're going to be able to take it kind of easy um, and finish in 4-5 and get the matchup they really want against Utah instead of having to play Memphis in the first round, and then move on to play the Spurs in the second round. So it's kind of funny how that goes. Um, obviously, you know, as far as determining home court for this 4-5 seed, the two biggest games are the games left between the Clippers and the Utah Jazz, the first of which is tonight's game in Utah. Um, and then in a couple weeks, on March 25th, um, these two teams play in Los Angeles. Now, if you want to get tickets for that game or one of the other few remaining home games left in this Clippers season, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. And it's always been hard to find the best deal for the game that you want to go to, and none of the other ticket sites get that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier for, than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look at tickets for um, the college basketball tournament, the ACC I, yeah, the ACC championship was, was being played in Brooklyn the other day. Um, now, the tickets were crazy expensive because uh, Duke and UNC played each other in the semifinal, but, you know, I looked. Um, everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. And SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save the time and money. What's best of all is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter promo code LOCLIPPERS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOCLIPPERS today. Now like I said, that game against the Utah Jazz on March 25th is obviously, you know, that game and tonight's game, these two head-to-head matchups, are obviously the two biggest games left in determining who's going to be the four seed, who's going to be the five seed, who's going to have home court in this Clippers-Jazz first round series that is looking really likely because there's a buffer between Houston and Utah and there's a buffer between the Clippers and the Thunder. So you're thinking these two teams, you know, unless someone really slumps, either Houston or one of these two teams would have to really slump for the the calculus to change as far as this 4-5 predestined matchup kind of goes. So now it's just about getting home court, which I think would be a big deal for the Clippers because if they're really gearing up for a long playoff run, and I talked about this last year when the Clippers were facing Portland in the first round, they've never dealt with a first-round series easily. They've never gotten out of their first-round series in five games so that they can rest a little bit going into the second round. They've always had these grueling seven-game series when they advance. Um, you know, the, um, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors... San Antonio Spurs. Those are the three first-round series that the Clippers have won in recent years in the Chris Paul era, really. And all three of them, they won in seven games. That's brutal. When now you're going in to face the Spurs, the Rockets, the Thunder, which are the second-round teams the Clippers have faced, and you're tired, and those are great teams. Um, So if the Clippers want to do well against the Warriors or Spurs in the second round, they want to deal with the Utah Jazz 
relatively quickly in the first round. They don't want a grueling seven-game series. And Utah's a good team and a very good defensive team, and they're going to be good in the playoffs when the game slows down. So getting extra home games is big. Because if you can win the two at home, you're really looking at a chance to put the series away early. If you have to go into Utah for both of those two playoff games, and the Utah fan base is crazy, and they haven't had a ton of success recently after being good, you know, in the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer era, that might be a kind of a rabid environment to go into for games one and two of a series. It would be a lot easier to go into there for game three if you're already up 2-0. Um, and if the Clippers can handle that series quickly, it helps them in a second-round matchup against the Spurs. A lot of their second-round struggles in recent years can be traced back to fatigue and injuries. Now, in that first year that this team was together, I don't think they were going to, you know, they weren't on the same level as that Spurs team that swept them in the second round, but they were beat up from that tough first-round series against the Grizzlies. When they played the Oklahoma City Thunder and lost in the second round, they had just played an emotionally draining seven-game series against Golden State Warriors while going through the entire Donald Sterling saga. And then when they played the Houston Rockets in the second round in that 3-1 collapse, obviously there was more to it in each of these cases than the fatigue, but the fatigue was a factor. Um, Chris Paul was injured for part of that series against the Houston Rockets, and the Clippers that year, if you'll recall, didn't have much of a bench. Um, they basically were playing Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, and Big Baby Davis as their only three subs. And once you get to, you know, you play a full game, seven-game series, you have one day off, and then you play another full seven-game series. They played 14 games without ever having more than one day off in between and playing essentially an eight-man rotation. They were cooked by the end of it. And that's what part of what allowed Houston to come back. Um... So that's a big deal. Winning the, you know, getting getting out of the first round, getting this home court, I think, I think is a big deal. I think Dog Rivers knows that. Um, as much as he's told the team, we're gonna have the long view, we're gonna pace it, we're taking it slow with injuries, we're keeping minutes down all year. Um, I think Doc might have not, might not have been as ambitious as I was when talking about the three seed and kind of pushing to pass Houston because that would have taken a monumental effort. Um, but I think that. Right now, this Utah, you know, if the Clippers play decent basketball and can win these two head-to-head -head games against the Jazz, they should be able to get home court because it would put them ahead of the Jazz and with the tiebreaker. Um, one thing that I do want to look at this week is kind of a schedule analysis, um, really two schedule analyses. One, the Spurs versus the Warriors to try to figure out who's going to get the one seed, and then beyond that, the Clippers versus the Jazz to who, figure out who's going to get home court. So you can see, you know, do our, we can do our best kind of when looking at that to predict are the Clippers going to have home court in the first round and who are they going to play in the second round if they move on. Um, I haven't looked in depth at those schedules yet because there's just a lot going on. Um, but I might see if I can um, farm that out to one of the Clips Nation writers this week because I think that would, those, those two articles would be a really interesting look. Um, and I'd be interested to see the results. I might do it myself. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see um, how much time I end up having as we gear up for playoffs and deal with uh, the huge blizzard that's actually hitting New York this week, which is going to be interesting because we're going to get like a foot of snow on Tuesday. Um, but that's the big deal right now is the only, th the only things to watch in the standings are that race for one 
and the 4-5 battle between the Clippers and the Jazz. Now, I haven't talked a lot, um, or I guess I haven't even mentioned on this podcast, the Clippers win over the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers from Saturday. Um, so, you know, watching Clippers games for me is interesting. Um, as a lifelong fan who loves watching the games, but who now also in the last couple of years is technically quote-unquote working when I watch the games. Um, I have to pay very close attention. I take notes a lot of the time. Um, I'm looking at the plays that they run, and you know, I, I'm watching the game in a different way knowing that I have to write about it. It's almost like, have you ever read a book for leisure? I mean, I, I hope you have, but <laughs> when you read a book for leisure versus when you read a book to write a book report on it, you pick up different things. I don't think very many people read a book for leisure and notice, you know, take specific note of like, oh, he used this literary device on page 173. But if you're writing a book report, you're going to take that note so that you can reference it in your report. Um, and it's kind of similar watching a, watching a Clippers game. And the point I'm getting at really by going off on this tangent is that because I've got a lot going on right now, um, I kind of took the day off on Saturday. I gave myself the day off. I have schoolwork to catch up on, stuff to do around my apartment, um, and the wonderful staff at Clips Nation has totally kind of had my back covered in the last couple of weeks as things have been crazy. And so I gave myself the day off. Now for me, <laughs> I happen to be the kind of person who loves what I do so much um, because again, I watch the Clippers for my job, <laughs> um, that I ended up watching the game anyway, but I had it on in the background, I was in and out of the room, I was cleaning, so I didn't take specific notes. Um, but here's what I kind of saw. The Clippers played eh for most of the game, um, and then when things got kind of serious, they buckled down, they built a nice buffer, and, and they took care of business against a team that was a lot worse than them. Um, and as, you know, especially missing Joel Embiid, the team, the Philadelphia 76ers just shouldn't really be competing with the Clippers. And when the Clippers put their foot on the pedal, they didn't. Um, through three quarters, the 76ers were leading the Clippers by four. And in the last 12 minutes, the Clippers won 37 to 21. So they put their foot, you know, they put their foot on the gas. Um, it would have been nice to kind of do that in the first quarter and then run away with it, but you'll take wins, basically. At this stretch of the season, you take the wins. Um, Chris Paul had a great scoring game, his best scoring game of the season, actually, with 30 points. He becomes the second Clipper to score 30 points a game this season after Blake Griffin was the first last month in Fe I think it was in February. I don't think he got it in January. Um, DeAndre Jordan had 19 points, 20 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks which is like, go DJ, that's my DJ. He almost had 20-20. Um, you would normally say, oh, you could add 20-20 if you made your free throws, but he was 7 of 10, so that's actually, you know, again, if, I guess if he was 8 of 10, he would have had his 20-20, but 7 of 10 is pretty good for DJ. Um, Blake Griffin, his shot hasn't been there recently, and it seems like he's struggled a little bit taking care of the ball, too. Um, his turnover numbers have been up, but still 15 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. He contributed, even though he didn't have a great game. Um, J.J. Redick didn't shoot the ball very well, 4 of 11 from the field, 2 of 8 from deep. And then 
the bench was eh. It just so happens that Philadelphia's bench is horrid. Um, so, you know, Jamal Crawford, 2 of 13. He had a bad night, although Jamal has been very good lately. So, I guess you'll trade a bad night in a double-digit win against Philadelphia for a good night in a game that you needed him um, against, like Chicago. Felton had a decent game. Rivers was kind of off. Most Bates hit some shots. That's that's one thing that's really nice to see. I know I talked about this, um, I think, on one of the episodes last week. It might have been two weeks ago. That most Bates, after having really, like, probably the two best months of his career in December and January, had a bad February and is having a really bad March. Um, so in December, he shot 50% from the field and 46% from deep. In January, he shot 47% from the field and 46% from deep. And then in February, 38%, 34%. In March so far, 46%, 23%. If most Bates isn't making three-pointers when the playoffs roll around, the Clippers' entire second unit offense kind of gets thrown crazy because it's built around the that you can do one, two, or three because the Clippers play three guards. All three of those guys can run a pick and pop with the five. So it gives the guard space to slash to the rim, which is something that the Clippers need because you don't want those guards shooting a bunch of pull-up jump shots. Um, you want to give them every opportunity to get to the rim. When you have a, a big man that pops out like most Bates, it lets them do that. And most Bates can really catch fire and carry your team for a quarter by making some, sh- some shots. Um, so it's nice to see him get going against a team like the 76ers where you know maybe you're playing a little more relaxed five of six from the field 11 points he hit a three ball in just 12 minutes and then um even in the last couple of games against memphis he was three of six from the field two of five from deep and against minnesota he was five of ten from the field two of four from deep and actually even against boston um he didn't his three ball wasn't there but Eight points, three of six from the field. So Mo, it looks like Mo might be starting to kind of get back into it, and that's good because the Clip, the Clippers really would struggle. He's been a great backup center all season long. If he started to fall, he started to really go downhill. If he fell off a cliff by playoff time, they'd kind of find themselves without depth down there. If he can get back up and be feeling good and be getting hot, he might win you a playoff game with like a huge third quarter outburst. So that could be huge. Um. One final note about tonight's game between the Clippers and the Jazz is keep your eye out for injury updates. Um, Derek Favors, Utah's starting power forward, I believe has already been ruled out for this Clippers game with, um, I think, a bone bruise or or a contusion um, in his left knee. And Rudy Gobert sat out Saturday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder and is questionable for tonight's game. So those are Utah's two starting big men, which obviously makes a big deal. Um, the team's leading scorer is Gordon Hayward, and maybe their second best player might be George Hill, although Rudy Gobert certainly would make a case for that because of what he brings as the defensive anchor. But without those guys, you start putting Utah in, in a really interesting situation as far as like Trey Lyles, um, his fine off the bench, but might not be the guy that you really want to lean on as a starter going against Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Um, Boris Diaw is obviously a, a nice player and a savvy vet, but again, quite limited. Jeff Withy isn't much of a player, although he's he's a big body. Um, and then they've been going small with Joe Johnson at power forward, but 
as long as the Clippers have Blake Griffin, I don't really see how you can get away with that. Now, when the Clippers go to their second unit and they put Wesley Johnson in a power forward, yeah, you can play Joe Johnson against Wesley Johnson. Joe, Joe, Joe's actually the stronger guy in that matchup. But playing Joe, asking Joe Johnson to guard Blake Griffin, I mean, that would be a field day for the Clippers. So, Favors, I, b I believe, is going to be out. So it's going to be interesting who fills in for him. Um, Joe Johnson, it seems like, would be the guy in a vacuum. But because of the matchup with Blake Griffin, I really don't see how Utah can justify putting Johnson there. Um, and if Gobert is out too, it just makes their situation even worse, which is helpful for the Clippers because it you know increases their chances of winning. But anything can happen, especially... Um, you know, Utah has um, a guy, Rodney Hood, who you might not have heard of because he's a little newer onto the scene, but Rodney Hood can score the ball. Um, he, he's only averaging 14 points a game. It's not like he's score, averaging 25 a night, but Rodney Hood can really score the ball when he gets going. So they've got, they've got enough talent on the team to win, even missing their big guys, but it certainly would help the Clippers. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you have any feedback or questions or comments or things that you want me to address on the show, feel free to hit, hit me up on Twitter at LucasJHan or email me lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. If you want to chat Clippers, go ahead and tweet at ClipsNationSBN. Check out the ClipsNation blog, ClipsNation.com. Um, and to like ClipsNation on Facebook, just go to Facebook and type ClipsNation in the Facebook search bar. Super easy. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow and every other day this week with our new slate of episodes. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Luke Sand signing off for Locked On Clippers. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.